Thanksgiving is number 138B, number 138B in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. With grateful heart, my thanks I bring before the great, your praise I sing. We're going to sing all four verses. Let's stand as we sing 138B. Tonight, God's Word comes to us from 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings 21, and we are going to be reading all the verses of this chapter. First Kings 21, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel, beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. 
And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he, he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him, and let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Je Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they, said to Jezebel, then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned, he is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth shall dogs lick your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond, or free in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. 
for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, the dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat, and anyone of, of, him, of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days I will bring disaster upon his house. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, our series on the life of Elijah is quickly winding down. I suspect we'll have probably two more sermons in this series. We have seen that really the Elijah cycle is 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 and 19. But Elijah does show up here again in chapter 21, and he will show up in 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2 as well. And then really no more in the Old Testament. As we are concluding this series, I guess I would encourage you uh, to take time in the next week or so to read uh, from the Elijah cycle to the end of the book of Kings. I suspect it's a part of God's Word we don't turn to all that often. We've had somewhat of an introduction to what's been going on. This is a good time to remind yourself of this part of the history of God's relationship with His people. We skipped chapter 20 because Elijah does not show up there, but in chapter 20, we see Ahab once again being blessed by God with victory over his enemies. And in light of that, it makes his disobedience in chapter 21 all the more heinous, as once again, he rejects the God who has given him victory over his enemies. Children, I hope by now that if I asked you what is the theme of the Elijah cycle, you would be able to tell me the word of the Lord is true. I have said that over and over and over. In these sermons, we have seen the word of the Lord is true. And we will see that once again tonight as we come to the end of King Ahab's life. God's word, as we have seen, is true in blessing, but God's word, as we will see tonight, is also true in judgment, as he will come in judgment upon Ahab for his disobedience. And that same truth that King Ahab had to learn, we must be reminded of as well. The word of the Lord is true. It is true in blessing. It is also true in judgment. We have this story of Naboth and Ahab and the dispute over the vineyard. Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel. 
beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it's near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you the value in money. Ahab comes and tries to make a deal with Naboth for the vineyard. And it sounds like a pretty good deal. I want your vineyard, so I'll either give you one that is better than that, or if you want, I'll pay you for it. It, it seems like a reasonable request. How does Naboth respond? Verse 3, Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. That seems like a pretty harsh response. Is, is, this, a, is this a bargaining technique on the, pa, on the uh, part of Naboth, trying to get more out of the king than he's already offered? No, when, when Naboth says, the Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance, he really means that. God had forbidden that the inheritance of the land be given outside the family. Remember, God himself had distributed the land to the people of Israel. And it was to remain in their families in perpetuity. They were not to, to get rid of it, and even if they sold it, it was to be given back to them in the year of Jubilee. For, for Naboth to do this would be for him to reject God's law for him to reject God's revealed will that the land stay with the family. And certainly, the king of Israel would have known that as well. Yet he deliberately asks Naboth to do that which is not allowed by God. He deliberately disregards God's law. He wanted it. He wanted to have it. It would be right next door. It would be perfect for his vegetable garden. Naboth covets. He has a sinful desire for that which he has not been given. Coveting. The root of so much evil. Coveting, wanting what God has not chosen to give to us. Rooted in ingratitude toward God. God, you haven't given me everything I need. God, I really want this. Covetousness and desire. Saying that somehow God's been unfair to us in not providing every one of our wants. Even in light of all that Ahab has, he is king. He's the king. He doesn't see all that God has given to him, the victory he just enjoyed, all he can see is what he does not have, and that he desires, and that he covets. And he continues to think about it and to let it roll over in his mind. Verse 4, Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. He said, I will not give you the inheritance. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. Naboth pouts. He acts like a child. God had not apportioned this to him, but God wouldn't give it to him. It was against God's law, and so he pouts, and he's upset. 
and I would be quick to criticize Ahab and to say, how could he do that? But I see so much of Ahab in my own life. I see all the blessings God has given me to enjoy. All the things. But it's so easy to focus on, on what we have not been given. Covetousness, a sin of the heart. A sin of ingratitude toward God. A sin of a lack of contentment. And yet a sin that we so easily give into, and a sin that so quickly can lead to other sins. That's exactly what happens in our story. Jezebel goes in and, and talks with, uh, with Ahab, why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he tells her the story, I wanted the vineyard, I offered him money or something else. He said, I won't give you the vineyard. And Jezebel says, basically, are you the king or not? Don't worry. I'll take care of this. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth. And so she, she develops this scheme, this plan. And she writes letters to the city and she calls for a fast. We read in verse 9, and she wrote the letters, proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. What's going on here? She calls a fast in the city because that's what they would do if there was an apparent broken relationship between God and the people. They would call a fast, and during that fast, they would, they would determine who was the cause of the problem. We think of this back in Joshua chapter 7, after the defeat of the Israelites at Ai, and they were defeated, and they said, well, who's, who's, the, who's the culprit in this? Remember Achan children? Achan had taken some of the devoted things. And they called out family by family by family, and finally Achan's family is taken. That's what's going on. Call a fast, put Naboth up front, and then, and then find two lying witnesses to come and speak against him. That's exactly what they did. Verse 13, And the two worthless men came in, sat opposite him, and the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. Well, that obviously is the problem. Naboth is guilty. Naboth is the problem. And the judgment was swift and summary. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. The sin started in the heart. It started with desire. But it led to treachery, to deceit, to robbery, and to murder. Do you suppose when Ahab desired that vineyard, he ever imagined it would end with Naboth being stoned by the people of the city? We have to be so careful about the sin of covetousness. It's easy to say, well, it's just a sin in my heart. I desire this, I want this, but it's just a sin inside of me. 
that desire of the heart has a way of coming out and expressing itself externally. Sins of the heart have consequences in our life. And we must confess, before they get there, before they grow, confess our lack of contentment with where God has placed us. Confess the sin of covetousness, that it not set us down a path of treachery, deceit, robbery, and murder. That's what's happening to Ahab. And so God, as he has before, sends Elijah to Ahab. Verse 17, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down, meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he is gone to take possession. God, once again, in his mercy, sends his word to the king. The king is guilty of covetousness and now receiving this vineyard. God, once again, will send his word to him to warn him. How does Ahab receive that warning? Verse 20, Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He sees the messenger of the word of God as his enemy. That is, God himself is his enemy. Not as God who is one one to come to care for him, to warn him, to call him back. God is an enemy at this point to him. And so we read in verse 19, God's, God's prophetic curse against Ahab. Verse 19, you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, have you taken and have you killed and also taken possession? You shall say to him, thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. God denounces the sin through his prophet. You've taken possession. And God pronounces his judgment upon the sin. In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, so the dogs will lick your blood as well. That prophetic judgment comes not only to Ahab, but also comes to Jezebel, verse 23. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, the dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. She had colluded with her husband, And she, too, would bear the curse, bear the punishment. And and beyond that, even upon Ahab's family, look at verse 20. Ahab says to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you because you've sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male bond or free in Israel. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, like the house of Basha, son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, because you have made Israel to sin. His family would also bear the judgment. His family would share in the punishment. What a frightening thing. The sin that began in Ahab's heart 
the sin of covetousness will affect his wife and will affect his descendants. We read these few words in verse 25, almost easy to look over. There was none, it's parenthetical, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. A reminder, they colluded together. Ahab had the sin in his heart and Jezebel, his wife, incited him to further sin. There are certainly specific applications of this text in 1 Kings 21. There are also broader applications. And the very least would be, we must be so careful whom we marry. Does anyone have more influence on us than our spouse? Ahab, it seemed, was content to pout. But his wife came and incited him and he would, he would go along with her actions. You must be so care, careful, particularly those of, of you who are, or are of marriageable age, when you think about the one with whom you might spend your life, are they encouraging you in righteousness? Are they encouraging you in your walk with the Lord? Or are they a detriment to that walk? His children would bear the consequences. What a frightening thought. We hear that truth every Lord's Day morning. We read the law, the sins of the fathers through the third and fourth generation. Our choices as parents will have an effect upon our children. The choices we make in our life, the way we choose to Honor those around us, honor authority, our children will see that. The choices we make with regard to coming to worship, our children will see that. It will impact them, they'll be affected by that. And our deficiencies may play themselves out in the life of our children. The word of the Lord is true. His word of blessing, as well as the word of prophetic curse. And as we see this prophetic curse come to pass, it's amazing uh, how closely the fulfillment is to the actual word of curse. Now we have this beautiful part of the story, verse 27. When Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his flesh, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days. But in his son's days, I will bring disaster upon his house. There is a reprieve. In spite of everything Ahab had done, in spite of consistently turning away from God, when he humbles himself, God is still gracious. 
God is still merciful, and he relents in bringing the full judgment in the life of Ahab. It is delayed for him. But the fulfillment does come. In our next chapter, 1 Kings chapter 22, if you have your Bible open, look to verse 34 of that chapter. Verse 34 of chapter 22. We read there, But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until at evening he died. And the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. And at sunrise a cry went through the army, Every man to his city, every man to his country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria, and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and the prostitutes washed themselves in it according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. God relented, but his judgment came true. The dogs would lick his blood. Now, now the dogs did not lick his blood in the vineyard of Naboth, as uh, Elijah had said, but what happens, what happens to Ahab's son. Again, God relented with Ahab. What happens to Ahab's son? This week you have to go to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 9, where we read about Joram, son of Ahab. Verse 24 of 2 Kings 9. And Jehu drew his bow with his full strength and shot Joram between the, soul, the, the shoulders so the arrow pierced his heart, and he sank in his chariot. Oh, that sounds familiar. Shot with a bow, sank in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidkar, his aide, Take him up and throw him on the plot of ground belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. For I remember when you and I rode side by side behind Ahab his father, how the Lord made this pronouncement against him. As surely as I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, I will repay you on this plot of ground. Now therefore take him up, throw him on the plot of ground in accordance with the word of the Lord. His blood on the property of Naboth. The word of the Lord is true. What about Jezreel? Uh, excuse me, Jezebel. Jezebel, uh, 2 Kings 9, same chapter, going on to verse 30. We read there, <clears throat> When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, you Zimri, murderer of your master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. And he said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. Then he went in and ate and drank, and he said, see now to this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more of her than the skull 
and the feet and the palms of her hands. When they came back and told him, he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. The word of the Lord is true. The word of judgment came about just as Elijah had said. And, and even, even on the family, going to 1 Kings chapter 10, 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 9. Then in the morning, uh, when he, that's Jehu again, went out, he stood and said to all the people, You are innocent. It is I who conspired against my master and killed him. But who struck down all these? Know then that there shall fall to the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spoke concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord has done what he has said by his servant Elijah. So Jehu struck down all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel, all his great men and his close friends and his priests, until he left him none remaining. Verse 17, And he went and came to Samaria, and he struck down all who remained to Ahab in Samaria, till he had wiped them out according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. God had said his family line would be wiped out. And that is exactly what happened. The word of the Lord is true. When God comes with warning, when God comes with the warning of curse, Ahab would not listen. He might listen for a time, but eventually went back to his old ways again. God's word continues today to warn us. To warn us of a coming judgment. Now, it's easy for us to say, well, that's, that's in the future sometime. Yeah, God's going to come back again and judge, but that's a long ways away. We do not know that. For those who persistently and deliberately refuse to hear the word of the Lord, for those who persistently, deliberately refuse to bow the knee to Him, there is no hope for a joyous eternity only for the judgment of God. Now again, it's easy for us to say, but that's, that, it hasn't happened for so long. Is it really going to happen? These, these fulfillments in the book of Kings of the word of the Lord happened 10 years after Elijah gave the word. They must have thought, God's forgotten by now. God's forgotten. God does not forget his word. His word of warning and his word of curse. And while it is a frightening thought to consider, we must not forget. Neither does God forget his word of blessing. Even when the king repents in somewhat faulty repentance, God relents and pushes the judgment back. Even wicked King Ahab received reprieve from God. And the same is true for us as well. If we think that there have been things in our lives which we have done which are too big for God to forgive, look at Ahab. Ahab, this murderer. Ahab, this liar. 
Ahab and Jezebel conspiring together. And yet God would show his mercy to this king. He will most certainly, most certainly show his mercy to all who humble themselves before him because that's what he has promised and the word of the Lord is true. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take all of our sins upon himself and everyone who humbles himself, herself, embraces Jesus Christ, will know for sure the glory of salvation. That is God's word. That's the promise of the gospel and the word of the Lord is true. Tonight, I, I don't want you to leave and say, wow, that was really discouraging. All we heard was about God's judgment. Yes, we hear about God's judgment because that word is true as well. But that word of judgment is couched in the word of grace. Grace for all who repent. Grace for all who believe. Grace for all who embrace Jesus Christ as their only hope in life and in death. God calls you tonight. Put your faith in Him. Put your faith in that one Lord Jesus Christ and know the, the assurance that the word of the Lord is true. And he will lose none that he has. He will hold us in his hand all the way into eternity. Yes, there will be a final judgment day. But for all those who know Jesus Christ, it will be for us a glorious entrance into an eternity with our loving and gracious God. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of your word. A word that is true and a word that is always true. For you are faithful to the word you have given. You are faithful in the word of warning and the word of judgment. Lord God, if we are sitting here tonight casually believing you will never come back again, there will never be a final judgment day, Lord, humble our hearts, forgive us, lest we find out the awful reality of your justice. You are the God whose word is true in grace and in mercy, and we are so thankful for that. We acknowledge we are those who, who would rightly stand under your judgment, but you, for the sake of Jesus Christ, have brought us into a relationship with you. You have called us to be your own, and you have given us the assurance of your love and mercy in this life and in the life to come. Lord God, may that truth ring in our hearts as we leave your house this evening. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to turn to number 386. This is a song about the second coming, the last judgment. Lo, he comes with clouds descending once for favored sinners slain, thousand, thousand saints attending, swell the triumph of his train. Alleluia, alleluia, God appears on earth to reign. Every eye shall now behold him, robed in dreadful majesty. Those who sat at naught and sold him, pierced and nailed him to the tree, deeply wailing, deeply wailing, shall the true Messiah see. Every island, sea, and mountain, heaven and earth shall flee away 
All who hate him must, confounded, hear the trump proclaim the day, come to judgment, come to judgment, come to judgment, come away. Then the song concludes with the wonderful glories of those who are in the Lord, given eternal life. We're going to stand together and sing all the verses, all the verses, number 386.